Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, as always, Brandon. Now, I want to go ahead and let's cover a couple of announcements now that we've finished the Demonology series and we can get back to regular. So, firstly, I want to say that I, along with a group called Curious Things Investigations, we had recently investigated uh, Octagon Hall, which is in Franklin, Kentucky. And I will go ahead and say, hands down, one of the best investigations I have ever done. Every single thing, well, not every single thing, but most everything that happened, I wrote it down on my phone and I posted on the Facebook page everything I wrote down. So go on to our Facebook page, which is Cookville Ghost Hunters. I will say we had so much activity and many of it was captured on Facebook Live. So if you want to see that video, you can go to Facebook and search up the group page, or I'm sorry, you can search up the page, Curious Things Investigations. Like I said, they're a group I investigate with very often, and I am also currently in the process of reviewing footage and attempting to debunk evidence. Of course, if anything is captured and can't be debunked, I will be posting it not only on the Facebook page, but as well as the evidence page on our website. Uh, so secondly. As of this recording, we're getting closer and closer to reaching a thousand downloads. We just hit 700 this past Sunday. So we're currently doing a giveaway to celebrate. All you have to do, it's extremely easy to enter. All you have to do is head over to our Facebook page, and there is a pinned post, which I will also have linked in the show notes. All you have to do, is like that post. That's it. If you want, you can also add your name a second time. Now, how you do this is you leave a rating and or a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. Now, the, the thing is, for the second name entry to qualify, you will need to message us either through Messenger or email us a screenshot of your rating. And it's that easy. Uh, thirdly, uh, in the past, during the Demonology series, I had talked of going back on a regular bi-weekly uploading schedule, but I'm going to do my best to actually do a weekly upload. The thing is, if I have enough content, enough uh, topics planned to where if I were to upload bi-weekly. We could do the show for around five years. Yes, five years. But if we did weekly, I'd be looking at roughly two and a half years. But that is just if I added no more content until the day I complete all of them. But I want to go ahead and see if we can hit this mark of a weekly upload schedule. If I can, I'm looking at uploading every Friday morning. So hopefully I can keep it going to give you all enough content to listen to. And one more thing, or actually two more things, I'm sorry. Uh, the subject of this episode, it can be very detailed. And in my opinion, it would require its own, not only its own mini-series, but you could create a whole entire podcast to just talk about everything there is to discuss. 
uh, one of the shows that I listened to in preparation for this episode, which is Astonishing Legends, they did a three-part series on this same topic. However, each of their episodes were, they were around three hours long each. So you can get pretty lost in who we will be trying to discuss. What we'll do is we'll break this episode into three segments. The segments will be the life, the readings, and the predictions of a man named Edgar Casey, also known as the Sleeping Prophet. And lastly, I will say I did use Wikipedia just a little bit for this episode, but what I did is in preparation for it, I cross-referenced what Wikipedia had comparing it to other websites, as well as the official Edgar Casey website and the biography There is a River. So in terms of accuracy, I would say Wikipedia did a pretty good job on, in terms of this topic. So without further delay, let's go ahead and jump right in and discuss the man known as the Sleeping Prophet. Cue the intro. Now, as I had said, the first segment, we're going to be discussing the life of Edgar Cayce. So Edgar Cayce was born on March 18th, 1877, to parents Carrie Elizabeth and Leslie Cayce. He was born uh, near Beverly, Kentucky, which, for those of you who don't know, because I didn't, it's approximately eight miles south of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. His parents were farmers, and they had a total of six children. Now, Edgar, he had what many would consider a great relationship with his grandfather, Thomas Jefferson Casey. But while riding horseback, uh, this was around June of 1881, uh, his grandfather had experienced a... Uh, an accident while riding horseback and he'd actually died. And unfortunately, as the biography states, Edgar witnessed his own grandfather's death. And growing up, Edgar, after this event, he would repeatedly claim to see the ghost of his grandfather. He would explain that the ghost would become transparent the harder he looked at it. And now, before writing it off as a child's imagination, it's also important to note that it was said his grandfather also had abilities of his own. Now, Edgar started school in 1884. Here's something to keep in mind as we go on through his life and talk about his readings. Edgar grew up as a farmer, essentially two farmer parents, so he did not have the best education. We'll cover it here shortly, but basically, he had enough of an education that seemed like it was good enough for the time that he was in. 
Now, at the age of 10, Edgar was taken to church for his first time. And it was reported he quickly became fascinated with the Bible. He read the Bible in its entirety several times as a child. And between the years 1889 and 1890, I couldn't pinpoint the exact year, so we'll go with those two. Uh, Edgar was in the woods reading his Bible. Like he would always go to this set area and he would open up his Bible and start reading. Uh, in his own words, according to the interview done by Thomas Sergey for the book There is a River, Edgar said a quote, woman with wings appeared to him and said that his prayers had been answered. Now, during the same interview, he would account that when this happened, he was frightened by this experience. However, when the woman had asked Edgar what he wanted the most, he replied that he wanted to help others, especially children who were sick. So fast forward to the next evening, Edgar was studying with his father and Here's something you got to understand. His father was hard on him in terms of his schooling, okay? So when Edgar found it difficult to focus on his schoolwork, it was reported that his father would become enraged and would actually knock Edgar out of his chair. When this happened, almost immediately after he was knocked down, uh, Edgar said to have heard the same woman, and she told him if he went to sleep, that they would help him. Now, to me, when I first researched, I thought it was angels, but I wasn't 100% sure. Hannah says they were, in fact, angels, and Edgar believed that this woman to be an angel. So, anyways, Edgar asked if his, for his father to take a break. And as his father walked off, Edgar did as he was told by the woman, and he put his head on his school book and went to sleep. So it was about five minutes. So five minutes after, his father came back and questioned Edgar again on his schoolwork. And he was able to memorize everything in the book, cover to cover. Every single word, page, sentence. He was able to memorize everything. And Edgar would later account that this was how he studied in school, was by placing his head on his books. To me, if I had that gift, I would have aced school and not even broke a sweat. But anyways, let's continue. So right here, in this point in time of Edgar's life, this is the beginning of his reading abilities. It was said during a game of ball at school, he was struck in his spine, and he would behave rather strangely. While at home, he had gone to sleep and had went. It, it wasn't a trance. It was a trance-like state, to be more exact. And while under this state, he had diagnosed a cure for his ailment. And afterwards, his family put together ingredients according to what Edgar had said. And when the ingredients were applied, it worked. 
and Edgar made a full recovery. However, this ability, it wouldn't reoccur for many years. But like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, at this time, he is a 10-year-old. And he was able to diagnose not only say what was wrong with him, but to create a cure while under this trance-like state. To me, well, let, let's just let's just keep going. I'll I'll come back to that thought in a second. In December of 1893, Edgar Casey, who is now at the time 16 years old, he and his family moved to Hopkinsville, Kentucky. While they lived there, Edgar was said to have obtained the equivalent of an eighth grade education. Also during this time, Edgar took notice of his clairvoyant abilities and he would leave to pursue them. But like I said, Edgar only received up to a ninth grade education. His family couldn't afford the cost to continue his education. And so, I mean, think about it. During that day and age, we're talking about the late 1800s, like very late 1800s, early 1900s. That kind of education in terms of a working class citizen, working class family, a ninth grade education was deemed, yeah, you're good enough, go into the workforce. And as we'll learn in the second segment about his readings, you're, you're going to kind of have to ask yourself, how could he medically diagnose illnesses without having any knowledge of medicine? Which we'll get into that in the second segment. But anyways, on March 14th, 1897, Edgar became engaged to his future wife, Gertrude Evans. And another thing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to point a lot of little things that I hope you all kind of keep in your mind as we go through this episode. But Edgar was a devout Christian. Since he could read, he would read the entire Bible from the book of Genesis to Revelations once a year, every year. He also attended church regularly and even taught Sunday school, and also recruited missionaries. So needless to say, he was extremely active within the church. And I am saying this now because we'll see in the next segment that his readings often conflicted with his religious beliefs. So around this time, he started learning more about his abilities. During an interview he had with Thomas Sergei, he said he could see the auras of people, he could speak to angels, and heard voices of relatives who have passed on. Keeping this in mind, though, not only was he conflicted over his religious beliefs in terms of his readings, he also was said to have struggled internally with the thought of the source of his abilities, basically as... Um, who were they from? Were they from God or were they from someplace else? Because as I said, he was a very religious person and was heavily involved within his church. But around 
1900, between 1900 and 1901, uh, Casey was struck by a severe case of laryngitis that practically made him a mute. This was also around the time he went into business with his dad, selling Woodman of the World insurances. Because he wasn't able to hardly speak, he decided to then go into the field of photography, and he would become very talented in this field, probably one of the best during this time. But now a year later, a traveling hypnotist named Hart, who was given the nickname of the Laughing Man, he was performing in Hopkinsville and had heard of Edgar and his case of laryngitis. So imagine, Edgar has had laryngitis up to this point for roughly a year. Could you imagine going a year with laryngitis not being able to speak? To me, I can't, because I've had laryngitis twice, I think. But anyways, so Hart traveled to the Casey house, and with Edgar's permission, Hart conducted several experiments. While under this trance-like state, his voice was said to return to normal. But when he'd wake up, he basically became a mute again. Now, during or because of Hart's business, he was unable to continue the experiments. Several other people tried. Uh, one in particular was a man named John Quackenboss of New York and Al Lane, who was a local hypnotist, so local to Hopkinsville. During these sessions with Outline, everyone would start with Edgar saying, quote, we have the body. This would indicate he'd been in a trance-like state and would have connected with an entity. What entity exactly, we'll also get into in a couple minutes. But Lane wanted Casey to start giving public readings. But, of course, Edgar was hesitant. And for good reason. The reason being, the main one being, he he had no idea what he was prescribing while under these trances. That's another important factor here. He would never remember what was said during these sessions. But eventually Edgar agreed on the condition that all readings would be free. Now in May of 1902... He got a job at a bookstore in Bowling Green. According to one of the episodes that the Astonishing Legends podcast published on Edgar Casey, uh, it was said he was able to get the job by sleeping on the store's catalog and remembered every book they had available. So eventually, by doing this, the bookstore agreed to hire him. But not a lot of money was made. Okay, there, that is something I want to make clear. Edgar was not made of money. He wasn't rich. And he often, or most, almost all the time, he would refuse money. But to attempt to combat this lack of money, Edgar created a game called Pit. The goal of this game, it was, it was like a simulation of the wheat market. He sent this idea to a game company. And this game company was 
Parker Brothers, and they copyrighted it, and it was said that Casey got no money from it. So even after this event, even after his own idea was copyrighted from him, he still refused to charge money for his readings. Now, Edgar and Gertrude were married on June 17th, 1903, and they had three children. The oldest, Hugh Lynn Casey, was born in 1907. The middle child, Milton, was born in 1911, but shortly passed after. And Edgar Evans was born in 1918. Now, it's unclear how much time passed between then, but eventually Edgar and a relative, they went into business and had opened up a photography studio because sent or due to his laryngitis, he went into photography. Well, now he and a relative has their own photography studio. During this time as well, several medical professionals decided to examine Edgar while giving a reading. This went on only for a short time. The reason being, the exams would become violent, such as pricking him with sharp objects to see if there would be a reaction while he was under these trance-like states, and there would be no reaction from him. He wouldn't realize what they were doing, but once he found out, he refused to, to take any more exams. He refused to be studied and tested on, and he said he would only give readings to those who needed the help and who would also believe in the readings. So a few years after these failed tests by these doctors, uh, his wife Gertrude became ill with tuberculosis. It was reported to have been a severe case, and the doctors had no hope for her recovery. So as a result, Edgar would undergo a reading for his wife, and during this reading, he gave a cure. They followed the instructions to create this cure, and she made a full recovery. In 1923, a wealthy man named Arthur Lammers, he persuaded Casey to give a reading on philosophical topics. Casey agreed, and during the reading, he spoke of authors' past lives and reincarnation. Now, in, during this time, in the early 1900s, reincarnation was a very popular topic. But it's also important to note it was not accepted by Christian doctrine. Christians did at the time did not believe in reincarnation. So here I am saying it again. Many of his readings would conflict with his religious beliefs. But this reading in particular was recorded, and this is what Edgar had said. Quote, in this, we see the plan of development of those individuals set upon this plane, meaning the ability to enter again into the presence of the Creator and become a full part of that creation. In so far as this entity is concerned, this is the third appearance on this plane. 
and before this one as the monk. We see glimpses in the life of the entity now as we are shown in the monk in this mode of living. The body is only the vehicle ever of that spirit and soul that went through all times and ever remained the same. End quote. So one thing I want to point out, if that reading didn't make any sense, that's okay. But the words, the entity, came up a couple times. And I want to go ahead and say, when that is said, Edgar is talking about the client. And we'll get into a little more readings in the second segment, and you'll see that appear more and more. But what's interesting to note is 12 years prior to that reading, he gave a reading that hinted on reincarnation. Now, the readings are labeled, and so this one in particular is labeled 4841-1, or 4841-1, which was given April 22nd, 1911. In this reading, Casey referred to the soul being, quote, transmigrated. So for those who don't know, the definition of transmigrated is of the soul to pass into a different body after death. And so during this time, like between the beginning of his readings and up to this point, Edgar's dream was to have a type of hospital because many people would go and seek his readings. But when given the readings, they would not follow through with them. And so Edgar had always wanted to create a hospital to help those with his readings. Well, on October 11th of 1928, his dream for a hospital became a reality. As I said, the goal of this hospital was for people who sought the readings to continue getting the assistance they needed. Many people who got readings but did not go through them, they would not make a full recovery. And as we will see, a lot of times when money was exchanged during the readings, it was always as a donation to his hospital. Edgar made very little to nothing profit-wise. But in June 6, 1931, so three years that his hospital has been running, to kind of put a time frame on that, the Association for Research and Enlightenment was founded, or ARE for short, and it's still active to this day. While we will discuss Casey's readings in the second segment, I became a member of the ARE just so I can research his readings. So they're very interesting, and I really hope that you all enjoy them when we get to that part. Now, in March of 1943, the only biography written about Casey was published. This book was called There is a River which is one of the books that I used for this episode. Also, in 1943, 
that year should ring a bell for a lot of people. World War II is going on at this time. So as Casey's readings grew in popularity, he ended up giving between five to six readings per day. It was said that the client didn't even need to be in the same room with him. All Edgar would need is the client's name, the date of their birth, and their location. And he could give a reading to anyone. So that's how he was able to do so many readings per day. But if you thought five to six readings per day was a lot, when World War II started, he ramped up his readings to at least eight per day. Now, his own readings even told him to ease up or the mass amounts of readings would end up killing him. Well, he didn't listen because his goal was to help as much people as he can. In August of 1944, Edgar had collapsed. He then did a reading later on on himself, and the instructions were for him to rest or he would die. In September of the same year, Edgar suffered from a stroke, and on January 3rd, 1945, Edgar Casey passed away at the age of 68. He is currently buried in Riverside Cemetery in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Now, I know that was kind of a, a like a, a quick summary of his life, but again, we're going to have three different segments of this episode as we don't have an entire podcast just for him. But now that we've discussed his life, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we will get into some of his several readings. So don't go away. In Edgar Casey's lifetime, he gave a total of 14,306 readings. So, like I said, that is a lot of readings, and we would require a whole show. That would take a couple of years just to talk about all of those readings. But we will be taking a look at a couple readings, and they've been categorized by the ARE. We'll first take a look at some readings in the philosophy and reincarnation category. Now, this topic was discussed roughly 2,000 times. The readings would start with Casey saying, we have the entity here, and those relations with the universe and universal forces are as latent and exhibited in the present entity. So there we go again. We have the entity here. The client. 
also there is a video on YouTube. It took me a couple hours to find, but I will have linked in the show notes. It is the only audio I could find of Edgar Casey giving an actual reading. But here are the topics uh, classified or um not classified, uh kind of broken down into different categories. The topics are ancient mysteries, astrology, dreams, ESP and psychic phenomena, health and wellness, holistic health, meditation, oneness, philosophy and reincarnation, and spiritual growth. So something I do want to point out, when it comes to giving readings, there was no topic off limits. As I said before, and I will go ahead and say it again, it's also important to note that Casey did not make money off his readings. The only money exchange that took place was he had asked for donations to his hospital. And now here's an example I found. There was a situation in which a cotton farmer offered Casey $100 a day to give readings about the outcomes of the cotton market. Despite not having any money, Casey still refused the money. Now, I don't know if y'all know how much $100 was back in that day, but I did it for you. Counting for inflation, $100 a day at that time is the equivalent of $1,461. Can you imagine getting paid over $1,400 a day just to do readings? Casey still turned it down. Now, several of his readings dealt with religion, Christianity in particular. Reading 479-1 says, quote, Hence, seek to know his ways with thee, not alone by denying that sin or error exists. True, sin and error is not of God, save through his sons that brought error through selfishness into the experience of the souls of men the body by which angels and archangels are separate from the fullness of the Father. For those that have turned their face from the light of God can only see shadow or darkness, and that light is only for those far away. Yet if the soul will but turn to the Father of love as manifested in the earth through the Christ, in this life also, May there be seen the light and the glory of a new birth. End quote. And so another topic I picked was a client had asked about the identity of the Archangel Michael or Mikael and the differences between him and Christ. This was recorded in reading 262-28. Quote, Michael is an archangel that stands before the throne of the Father. The Christ is the Son, the way to the Father, and one that came into the earth as man, the Son of Man, that man might have the access to the Father, hence the way. Michael is the Lord 
or the guard of the change that comes in every soul that seeks the way, even as in those periods when his manifestations came in the earth. End quote. Now, if y'all remember back in May, I believe it was May 3rd, I had published my episode on spirit guides. Well, Edgar Casey did some readings on spirit guides, so I thought it'd be very cool to include some of those readings about them. So, in reading 423-2, Casey was asked by the client if they had any spirit guides. The reading states, quote, Each and every soul has its guides that may be designated by the desire of the inmost self. In the realm of spirit, many may seek to give that which may be of interest, and at times of aid to individuals seeking from such realms. Yet, as the promise has been unto the sons of men, he, the Lord, is sufficient unto thee, then that which may be the greater, the better guide to each and every soul is that of self through its associations in the spirit realm. End quote. And again, Edgar did not give just one reading about spirit guides. In reading 405-1, another client asked if they had guides. And during this reading, it was said, quote, There are ever, for every soul, those that may be termed the guides or guardian angels that stand before the throne of grace and mercy. The guardian angel for this entity is that one, Ariel, who stood with Marsilius at the cross. End quote. So again, with this reading in particular, it says, for this entity. That is referring to the individual the client, this person asking about their guides. And of course, one last reading about spirit guides, and that is reading 1695-1. And it states, quote, It is true that there is a guide or guard for each and every entity or soul, or a developing influence that may be from the entity's own activities as a new star in the universe, but it is rather that there may be, in the experience of each soul, the truth of that which has been given of old, that he hath not willed that any soul should perish, but hath provided with every temptation a way, a means of escape. End quote. So I'm going to... As you've probably noticed by now, I'm doing a lot of quoting because these are readings verbatim from the official Edgar Casey website. But here's another thing. As I said, no topic was off limits. Reincarnation was a big topic that was brought up multiple times. Reading 5753-2 states, quote, in the studies, then, know where ye are going, to find that ye only lived, died, and were buried under the cherry tree in grandmother's garden, does not make thee one with a better neighbor, citizen, mother, 
or father, but to know that ye spoke unkindly and suffered for it, and in the present may correct it by being righteous. That is worthwhile. End quote. And of course, since no topic was off limits, he also did readings about Jesus and his life. He spoke of his teachings as well as his family, including two brothers, James and Jude, and one sister, Ruth. But in approximately, I would say, 1,200 different readings, the topic of ancient Egypt came up. He revealed the origin, the purpose, and prophecies of the Great Pyramids, and a lot more. Casey also spoke of a past life he had while in Egypt, a priest named Rata who wanted to unify spiritual teachings. In reading 364-13, it states that the Nile entered into the Atlantic Ocean. What is now the Sahara was an inhabited land and very fertile. What is now the central portion of this country, or the Mississippi Basin, was then all in the ocean. Only the plateau was existent, or the regions that are now portions of Nevada, Utah, and Arizona, formed the greater part of what we know as the United States. So Edgar was also well known for his readings on the topic of Atlantis. Astonishing Legends dedicated an entire episode just on Casey's readings of Atlantis, which their podcast will be linked in the show notes, specifically to their episodes on Casey. And I would advise y'all checking them out. But during his readings, Casey claimed Atlantis was a highly advanced civilization in the Gulf of Mexico. Through destructive misuses of technology, it was said that Atlantis was destroyed over a period of thousands of years. He claimed Atlanteans migrated to other parts of the world, such as uh, Egypt and the Yudicon Peninsula. Reading 5748-6, it states, In those periods, when the first change had come in the position of the land, there had been an egress of peoples from the Atlantean land, and they built a city near the edge of the Sahara. End quote. Now, another topic that would be discussed in his readings. It's called the Hall of Records. Reading 2012-1 states, The one in the Atlantean land that sank, which will rise and is rising again, another in the place of the records that leadeth from the Sphinx to the Hall of Records in the Egyptian land and another in the Arayan or Uticon land where the temple there is overshadowing the same. And another reading that discusses the Hall of Records is numbered 378-16, and it says, A record of Atlantis from the beginnings, and the developments of the peoples throughout, with the record of the first destruction and the changes that took place in the land. Now... Like I said, there was a total of 14,000 readings. Dreams were very popular as well. 
reading 4167-1 says, Dreams are phenomena or experiences for each of us to use and apply in our everyday walks of life. Now, the best website for Casey's readings will also be in the show notes. And as I said before, there's so much here, so much knowledge. I wouldn't need an entire series for it. I would need an entire other podcast just to discuss his readings. Not his life, but his readings alone. Now, in terms of in terms of psychic abilities, Casey had discussed telepathy, which was discussed in reading 740-1. Casey had given this reading to a man in New York, and he did not have the client in the room with him. As I had mentioned about five or ten minutes ago, it was said all he would need is the name of the client and where they lived, and he would be able to give a reading to anyone. Another ability Edgar spoke of was clairvoyance. Clairvoyance was described as the ability to see information that no one else has seen. Clairvoyance was discussed particularly in reading 2826-1. A third ability is called precognition. It's explained as the ability to view events before they happen. A lot of people right off the bat would claim this ability is just deja vu. It was said that for some clients, Casey would be able to foresee what clients would be like when they would be older, as well as occupations they'd choose to be in before they ever made the decision. A fourth that we'll discuss, contrasting to precognition, is called retrocognition, which, here's something I found interesting. In reading 1462-1, Casey was given the incorrect date and location of birth for a client. During this reading, Casey would say, we don't find it here. And after a short time, he would say, yes, we have the record here. Looks like it's the wrong place and date. To me, that was cool that even if you tried to give him the wrong date, they would eventually figure it out and be able to give you a reading. Now, Of course, there are hundreds of cool facts I can talk about for hours. But another one is Casey gave readings to several famous people, such as Houdini, Thomas Edison, President Woodrow Wilson, and Marilyn Monroe. And now I want to get back to what we started talking about in this segment, or the latter part of the first. Who was he channeling? Wikipedia states that Edgar was able to channel what would be referred to as his higher self. However, in at least 20 of these readings, it was reported that two different angels spoke through Casey. Now, who were these angels exactly? Well, I found they were reported to have been the archangels Michael and Hanael. If you're unfamiliar with Hanael, she is depicted as an archangel from Jewish lore and angelology. She's counted as one of the seven named archangels, including Gabriel, Uriel, and Raphael. Now, here's something I want to talk about just briefly. In my opinion, is the ability to channel angels and archangels a thing? Does it exist? Yes. In my opinion, 
I 100% believe in this ability. However, I also believe this ability is based on the angels' desire to channel. People who can truly channel angels, channel them on the angels' own time. I don't believe people can channel angels when they want to. But in the future, we will do a series on angelology as we did in demonology. So do keep an eye on out for that. Now, this last one, I searched for hours and I could not find it. So if anyone can find it, please email me. I'd be greatly appreciative. But on September 17th, 1944, Edgar gave his last reading. And it was to himself. Also, off the top of my head, I do believe Astonishing Legends did say that Casey, during one of his readings, accurately predicted his death, how he would die, and when he would die. So if you want to listen to that, Astonishing Legends is the place to listen to it. And now that we're ending this second segment, we'll take one final break. When we come back, we will discuss predictions and prophecies made by Casey that have come true and some that have yet to pass. So, don't go anywhere. Now, it's important to note that in terms of talking about predictions and prophecies, many people would compare Edgar Cayce to Nostradamus himself. And what we will do is, firstly, we will talk about predictions that Cayce made that came true. The first that we'll discuss is the stock market crash. The most notable reading about this was numbered 900-4. 426, in which a New York stockbroker was given a warning of a, what was called a, quote, great disturbance in financial crisis. This reading was given six months before the crash. A second prediction that happened was World War II. Reading 416-7 states, quote, And unless there is interference from what may be called by many the supernatural forces and influences that are active in the affairs of nations and peoples, the whole world, as it were, will be set on fire by the militaristic groups and those that are for power and expansion in such associations. Now this reading right here, 416-7, This was given in 1935. For those of you who aren't history buffs, that was around four years before Germany would invade Poland, which that started World War II. 
Now, a third prediction was of the poles shifting north and south, the poles of the planet. Reading 826-1 states that between the years 2000 and 2001, the poles would shift. Now, when asked what change would take place, he responded with, quote, when there is a shifting of the poles or a new cycle begins. This reading was given in 1936. Now, what's interesting to me is Nova, a show on the PBS network, reported a discovery about our planet's electromagnetic poles and fields. The show or the, the segment was called Magnetic Storm. So if y'all want to check that out, if you're scientific buffs, head on over there. I'm not. So you can do that. Now, he made a few more predictions that have yet to pass. I'll have links to where you can read them, but let's get into these predictions. In my opinion, predicting the future is definitely not easy. I don't care what entity a person channels. The amount of factors that go into just one situation is immense. Imagine generations pass until your prediction comes to fruition. So this will be the case for another figure that we will discuss who also made some predictions. But back to Casey. One of the predictions made was in reading 244-2, which states, quote, Now we find there are many changes in the body since we have had this, many for the good. Many of the organs and the conditions show the changes as come about by the natural or so-called natural conditions and changes as the body succumbs to the effects of age or usage in the system. Many of this may be overcome. So basically what that's saying is the life expectancy of people, generally speaking, will be much longer than of his time. Now, another prediction. This one, I will be honest, I don't believe, but he made the prediction regardless, so we will talk about it. This prediction was about China. So... I will say we probably never would have thought of this. Probably will never see it coming. But reading 3976-29, he described that China would eventually become the cradle of Christianity. So again, I, I'm kind of iffy on that one. I, I don't quite know, but he did the reading on it. And... um More of his predictions. They also covered conflicts in the Persian Gulf, which was reading 3976-26. A self-fueling perpetual motion machine, reading 4665-1, and the discovery of the Hall of Records, which this one in particular was reading 5750-1. And now... He, he even gave a reading on the second coming of Christ. Reading 262-49 states, What is meant by the day of the Lord is near at hand. 
that as has been promised through the prophets and the sages of old. The time and half time has been and is being fulfilled in this day and generation, and that soon there will again appear in the earth that one through whom many will be called to meet those that are preparing the way for his day in the earth. The Lord then will come, even as ye have seen him go. End quote. And now I wanted to go ahead and end off this episode with some quotes from Edgar Cayce. Uh, my hopes is that these quotes will inspire some people. The first quote is, Meditation is listening to the divine within. That one stuck out to me more because not only have I started meditating because of what I do as an a paranormal investigator, I increase the amount of time I meditate. So to me, that one spoke more to me. The second quote is, life is continuous and is infinite. And the third is, keep the pineal gland operating and you will never grow old. You will always be young. Now, for those who don't know what the pineal gland is, uh, it's often linked to what is referred to as the third eye chakra, which later down the road, we will give chakras their own episode. So I hope you all can enjoy that when it comes out. And with that, we will wrap up today's episode. Again, I want to thank everyone for the continued support. Without y'all, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for you all. If you want, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Cookville Ghost Hunters. Links to our website are provided on our Facebook page and podcasting. If you would like a private investigation, you can head to our website to read about requesting investigations. Or our email is at cookvilleghosthunters at gmail.com. So again, thank you all for joining me, and I will see you all hopefully next week. Goodbye. Thank you.